0: This week's Parsha of Marseille is the uh, final uh, Parsha in the Chumash of Midbar, But more than that, we could consider it uh, the final Parsha in the Torah. Because uh, next week we begin Chumash Dvarim. Mishnah Torah, which is Moshe, and basically the story of the narrative of the Jewish people in the desert is uh, completed in this Parsha. The Torah lists for us forty-two places where the Jewish people encamped in the desert. I would hazard to say that few, if any, of those places are known to us. Even our Sinai is unknown, practically. So why does the Torah bother to uh, go to such lengths to tell us about the 42 places that we were? Ranashi points out that it's like a travelogue. The father uh, takes his son back to when the boy was a child and they traveled somewhere. The father says, here uh, we stopped at this hotel. Here we saw this site. Here you had a headache. Here this happened to us. So that's what Moshe is doing here. He's reliving the 40 years of the desert. And he relives it with the Jewish people. So the question arises since the Torah is eternal and it speaks to us currently in the same fashion that it spoke when Moses said these places to the Jewish people in the desert. So what does it teach us? What is the message involved here? And there's a hint to this, because in the Pesach it says... That these are the Mazei b'nei Yisrael, the travels of the Jewish people, and then it says, <laughs> where they settled and where then they were taken out of to go somewhere else few shook him later to tell it repeats it but a different order. And there is it's the to where they're being taken out of and where they settled. So why this discrepancy? So the... Uh, The message here is that one is talking about the past and one is, so to speak, talking about the future. So in the past, we know where they settled and therefore we know where they went afterwards. In the future, they would have to leave places and it wouldn't be quite clear where they would settle, but they would have to move on. Now, anyone who has any familiarity with uh, the Jewish history will realize that it's a travel, life. and that even though Jews may have been established and resident in one place for hundreds of years uh, they never really stayed anywhere they encamped but they didn't really permanently settle so if we review uh, let's say, the story of the Jewish people. So uh, in the year 70, we're going to mark it now, uh, the the Beit HaMikdash is destroyed, and uh, Jews are taken into exile throughout the Roman Empire. Now all during the time of the Bayat Cheney, Jews lived in different places already. Even though the main settlement may have been in the land of Israel, there were large settlements in Egypt, especially in the city of Alexandria. Alexandria was, to a great extent, a Jewish city. Not that it was majority Jewish, but the Jews had a tremendous influence in the city and a tremendous population. So much so that the Jews of Alexandria built the Beta Migdash for themselves. It was called Migdash Chonyo. Chonyo was the name of the original Kohen. Uh, who uh, wanted to be the coingadal in Jerusalem and when he was not appointed so he did what Jews do he made his own (laughs) shul and he moved to Alexandria and the Jews of Alexandria who were wealthy and sophisticated and felt that they were the equal of the Jews of Jerusalem, built a replica of the Beit HaMikdash. According to many, uh, it was even more ornate. And the entire service of the Beit HaMikdash was replicated in Alexandria. Then there was a Jewish settlement in Rome, mainly uh, originally of Jewish slaves that were able to uh, obtain their freedom. And a strong Jewish community was built up in Rome so that when the Romans exiled thousands and tens of thousands of Jews to Rome, there already was a Jewish infrastructure in Rome. Gemara records for us the power of the Roman Jewish community. Again, the Jews of Rome felt that they were it, So the Gemara says that uh, they sacrificed the Korban Pesach, the Paschal sacrifice in Rome. They didn't go to Jerusalem or they couldn't go to Jerusalem. But in Rome, they sacrificed the Korban Pesach. And the Gemara uh, The Roman community was headed by a a Jew called uh, Todus Horofi, Uh, Thaddeus the physician, so he was uh, a very uh, powerful and well-respected person in Rome, and uh, because the rabbis didn't want to start up with the Roman Jewish community. So they said, we would really put you in the harem for what you're doing. We would ban you for what you're doing to bring the korban Pesach outside Yerushalayim. But you're todes. We are powerless, so we're not going to fight a fight. So you have two centers. Rome and Egypt. Alexandria. Then there's a third center which existed from the Bayez Rishan yet from the first temple and those were the Jews that lived in countries that were adjacent to the land of Israel such as uh, today we give them names, Syria, Lebanon Iraq, Jordan So those are all fictitious countries, uh, drawn on a map by the colonial powers during the First World War, and uh, we see that they all have a difficult time getting their act together because they're not basically a nation. When Jews lived throughout that area. And there, there was a, a considerable amount of Jews. And there were opinions that even a majority of the Jewish people lived in that area. And especially in what the more calls Boga, which is, includes uh, Iraq and Lebanon in uh, northern Syria. And there were great uh, scholars there and great centers of Torah learning and a, a very, very strong Jewish life. And to a certain extent, they also saw themselves as at least the equal if not greater, than the Jews that lived in the land of Israel. And the uh, you know the Talmud already uh, records for us the difference of opinion of the rabbis as to whether one should leave Bovel in order to live in Eretz uh, Yisrael, to live in the land of Israel. And there were great rabbis like Rabbi Yehuda who said that they're not allowed to go back until the Mashiach comes. That they should stay in Boga. And we see that uh, during the time that Ezra was attempting to rebuild the second temple and restore the second commonwealth, The Jews above all didn't come with him. He couldn't even get the Levian to come with him. So you had these different centers of Jewish life who were basically competitors uh, to Jerusalem and to the temple and to the Jewish settlement in the land of Israel. So that was the beginning of our Marseille, of our uh, travelogue. We went from the land of Israel to Alexandria, to Rome, to Babylonia, to the Near East, the Jews of Yemen said that they were from the first temple yet. Yeah. The Roman Empire existed for 500 years. Now when an empire exists for 500 years and let's say one is born in the middle of that time. One is convinced that uh, that empire is gonna last forever. It's lasted 300 years until now. And as every indication, it's gonna last another few hundred years. So that's it. However, history teaches us that no empire and really no country in power ever remains so permanently. In uh, the uh, time that uh, most of us still remember, uh, the British Empire uh, was uh, controlled uh, quarter of the surface of the earth, and a third of the world's population. The sun never set on the Union Jack. It was going to be here forever. In our time, all of the European empires collapsed. I've often told you the story about Herzl and the Kaiser. That uh, Herzl met uh, the Kaiser here in 1898 in McPhee, Israel. He had the first agricultural school. And he wanted that the uh, Kaiser Germany should sponsor the establishment of a Jewish homeland. He shopped the idea to all the empires of the world. So he wanted the Kaiser. The Kaiser had uh, great uh, ambitions here. That's why we have the German colony here. He brought over thousands of Germans to live here. He re-established the Templar Knights. The red roofs that are in, it in the land of Israel are gifts of the Kaiser. So Herzl made this proposition to him, and the Kaiser said, Herzl records it in his memoirs. He said, Herr Herzl, in order for a Jewish state to arise in the land of Israel and Palestine, he said all the major empires of the world have to collapse. And he recounted them. The Austro-Hungarian Empire, the German Empire, the Russian Empire, the French Empire, the Ottoman Empire... The English Empire, all of them would have to collapse. And he said, Herr Herzl, you know that that is impossible. But uh, within 50 years, his words were prophetic. All the empires of the world collapsed. And the Jewish state came into being. So you have a process here, which the Torah predicts. In other words, Masay is not a story about what happened. It's also a story about what is going to happen. It's not only Lamas A.M. or Lamotso It's Lamotso A.M. or Lamotso as well. So uh, in the fourth century, uh, the city of Alexandria was destroyed by pirates. The Jewish community there collapsed. Though later another Jewish community in Fostad in Cairo was established and it existed till our time, till 1967. The Jewish community in Bovil existed in full strength till about the year 1100. And it was the center of Jewish halakha the Gaonim in Boville were the teachers of the Jewish people. And we have the great story that's recounted by many of the rabbinical writings of the time, that there were, uh, the yeshivas in Bovel always needed money for a change. So they would send emissaries to the exile to raise money to support the yeshiva. I'm sure that strikes you as an original thought. It's been going on for a long time. So uh, there's the legend of the Arboa Shvuyim. There were four rabbis from Boville that uh, ventured forth. They were going to go to Italy to raise money from the Italian Jewish community. And on the way, the ship was taken by pirates. So pirates usually killed everybody on board. However, when they spotted Jews, they knew that Jews would ransom other Jews for exorbitant funds. Enormous amounts of money. Pijun Shui. So therefore they took these four rabbis captive and they held them for ransom. So uh, one uh, Jewish community in Morocco ransomed one of the rabbis. But they said to him, you have to stay here in Morocco. We need you. You can't go back to Babylonia. And one of the rabbis uh, was ransomed by... uh, The Jews of Bari in southern Italy. So he had to stay there. And one was ransomed by Jews in Tuscany. So he had to stay there. So what happened was that this is the spread of Torah. When the Toda scholars arrive and they establish houses of learning, so then a Jewish community begins to form. So the Jews now were in North Africa, Morocco, Algeria. Fez became a major Jewish city. In the seventh century, uh, the Muslims took over in the Middle East completely and uh, they invaded Spain. Came across the Straits of Gibraltar and they uh, occupied the bottom two thirds of uh, Spain. The Jews went along with them. So the Jews are in Spain 800 years. Uh, till the end of the 15th century. So again, seems hard to wrap your mind around it. But if you're in a country 800 years and you're uh, a prominent part of society, you're the bankers, you're the advisors to the king, you're even generals in the army, Some even rose to be what we would consider to be the prime minister. See, you're there. It's going to be there. Except again, the Parsha of Massey teaches us that that's not what's going to happen. There were a small group of Babylonian Jews that somehow found themselves in the Rhineland. It was a tri-city there of spires and worms and Mainz. In Hebrew the uh, they had the Jewish names and Roman names. Well worms was Vermisa and Mainz was Magenza. spires was Shapira. They became last names of Ashkenazic Jews because originally that's where their ancestors came from. He had a very small group of Jews but they were different because even in Bovel there were different customs and now they were isolated from the rest of the Jewish world. And they were <coughs> the ones that developed Ashkenazic Jewry. And the great Rebbeinu Gershom, or who lived in Mainz, so he had disciples. And his disciples established basic structure of Ashkenazic Jewry. Those disciples in turn had disciples. The third generation was that of Rashi. Rashi studied in Mayus. At the time of Rashi, there were only about five thousand Ashkenazic Jews in the world. And they lived in the Rhineland and And they lived in Provence, and they lived in Spain. (coughs) I mean, France, Central, and uh, Paris and Troyes. From those 5,000 Jews, there developed the millions of Jews of Ashkenaz. But most of the Jews were in Spain and in the Middle East. The Jews will be expelled from France. The Jews will be expelled from England. So they pushed eastward. They settled in Germany. There were great pogroms in Germany in the 12th and 13th centuries. So the Jews pushed further eastward. They came to Poland came to Central Europe, to Austria, and Bohemia, pushing all the time. The Jews are going to be in Poland 800 years. They're going to be in Central Europe 800 years. So again, this is the story of the Jewish people. It's Lamas A.M., For some reason, in the 19th century, the Jews of Eastern Europe decided that they're going to leave. Sizable proportion went to North America. Then Jews went to South America, they went to South Africa. A small number went back to the land of Israel. So, if you look at the entire picture, yeah, we were always traveling. What we was going somewhere? What we was leaving somewhere? And that remains. Uh, to a great extent, till today, even in settled areas. Yeah, I know a little about the, the Detroit Jewish community. In uh, I would say that in, uh, in the space of 15 years, there were three Jewish neighborhoods that were destroyed, and they moved on again. In Chicago, it happened, in New York, it happened. Italian neighborhoods in the United States are forever. The Polish neighborhoods in Chicago are forever. Jewish neighborhoods never are. It's always the am la the lamasehem. The nature almost. And the Torah wanted us to be aware of this. And therefore the Torah lists all 42 uh, way stations in the desert because that's, so to speak, a ma simon leboni. What happened is what's going to happen. And that if you see it in that picture, so then you have a greater understanding of the Jewish story. So have a wonderful Shabbat, everyone, and thank you for coming. Next week, next week we still will have a Friday morning class, uh, so uh, I hope to see you.